Hey guys, this is part two of a two-part series. So if you haven't had a chance to go and check out the first part of this episode, I highly suggest you go back and listen to the Hurt Bay part one. So without further ado, let's get back into this very interesting conversation that I'm having with Lenny. There is all of these things that I was talking to you about, about emotional abuse and whatnot. That here's the thing. I was working with families talking about this stuff and I was, had grown up in physical, you know, verbal, emotional abuse household. But not too long ago, I was actively working a caseload, full caseload. And then I was going home to a toxic environment. And the reason why I know all of these things about emotional abuse is because I didn't realize it at the time, but I was going through it. It started off where I was like, oh, if I know that I'm going to do this, then she's going to get angry. And then I just want to avoid that fight. So I just won't do this. And then, you know, and I didn't realize at the time, but that was a win in her column. The next thing I know, I, she says, well, I don't, you know, I don't believe that you're talking to whoever you say you are on your phone. So I would just simply just turn my phone 15 degrees, whatever. So that when I text anybody, whether it was my work phone or myself, my personal phone, she could always see it. I didn't realize it at the time, but again, she had won. And so when I was telling you earlier about that, I started off as a square peg. And by the time I was done that relationship, I was a circle. I was exactly what she needed me to be because why? Because she had made me into what she wanted me to be. And it all starts with one change here, one change there. And then before you know it, you're not even doing the things you used to love. You don't even resemble the person you once were. And it may not be that you're a bad person. It's just you're not the same. Um, and that's and when, so when, true. That oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, that's so true because I remember in this relationship at one point, I would look in the mirror and I would just ask myself, like, who are you? Like. I didn't feel like myself. And at one point, I remember thinking about committing suicide because I just felt like trash. Like, I just felt like nothing. And then it kept going and it kept going. And then at one point, I was like, well, why would I even commit suicide? Nobody would miss me because I am nothing. So it's just like, I'll just live this empty shell of a life. And that went on for, for several months. So... I mean, I totally agree. Like you, you just kind of, you lose interest in things. You don't recognize yourself. You become this different person. And, um, God, I, I I don't know what else to say, but when you said that, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I remember that. And, and, And the crazy thing was here I was, I was going into homes and I was talking to these families and I was talking to these abuse victims, telling them that they needed to stand up for themselves and I would help them get out of that situation. But every night I'd go home, I didn't realize what I was going through. I didn't realize that I would cherish the time she was out of the home. I wouldn't realize that I was hyper-focusing on other tasks to avoid conflicts or interactions. I didn't realize that I was changing everything that I had ever loved just to avoid conflicts. Now, keep in mind, we used to get up at 5 a.m. She would get up. I mean, she had everything down to like um, the minute. 
She'd get up at 5 a.m. She'd go out and do P90X from 5 to 6. 6 to 7, she'd take her bath. You know, it just everything was down to the minute. I didn't realize that the moment she got up in the morning, I hopped up and I was just like. I, Are you I dreading would, it? <laughs> no, I, I would hop up in the morning and I'd be like, because we used to call it, like, I, I'd play my game. All right, well, it was the Xbox she had gotten me. But I was like, all right, I'm going to play my game while you're doing that. So then I would do that. And then as a caseworker, our days wouldn't be static. You know, I can, it used to drive me nuts because I would sit there and she would go through this routine every morning. She'd be like, okay, as she was getting ready, making herself up in the mirror, she would say stuff like, well, what does your day look like? It doesn't matter what my day looks like because I could sit here every single morning and I could tell you what my day is going to be like. But the moment 701 hits, my day has now changed. That is that is the life of every caseworker. They have things that they would would like to get accomplished that day. More than likely, it's not going to happen the way they wanted to. So for me to sit there and go through that process was very indicative of the relationship, mm-hmm. because we would have the same arguments, we would have the same conflicts over and over. So I got to a point where I was conditioned, where I was like, okay, if I know I want to avoid this conflict, I just need to tell her something. So I would tell her something and then that would be okay. But then what got to a point where when I was making that little concession here, little there, it was changing everything that I stood for, everything that I had become. So now I was going to these homes telling these people, you know, you are stronger than you give yourself credit for. If you don't do what you need to do for your sake, he's never going to respect you. One thing I would tell people all the time is, if you discount you, who's going to pay full price? <laughs> it's so true. I mean, we don't, we don't, yeah. pay, we don't, we don't, if if something's on sale, do you ever go up and go, you know what? I know it's normally nineteen ninety nine, but you got to mark <laughs> down to 10. I really feel that this value is placed upon at $20. Right. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the full 20. Nobody does that. No. Nope. So why would you do it in a relationship? If that person has gotten you successfully to believe that you are less than what you are, then why would you ever believe that you are as great as you are? You won't. And, and keep it in mind that every time you make a concession to somebody who wants to take control of you, then you are giving them more power to do that. It's like putting that twist in the knot for them. So as they're choking the life out of you, you're helping them. <laughs> You really are. Yeah. You've given them permission by not standing up for yourself, by not saying, you know what? I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going out with my friends. Now, a lot of times people will say, well, why didn't you do that? Let's be real. I knew homegirl would have, one, changed the locks, or two, she would have shot me. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I am literally not even joking when I say that. She had a weapon, and I'm telling you, one of those two things would have happened had I gone out and just hung out with my friends. And I knew that. And so on one hand, I'm looking at, I'm a CPS worker. I can't go into these homes and have, you know, I can't go talk to them about not having conflict in their relationship and how they should be man, managing chaos, you know, if I'm having chaos in my home. Right, right. And you, and what something you said earlier, and, and I, I want to make sure that I point it out before I forget it. You said something about this was your first relationship. Well, that was very similar to what I had thought at that point when I was in this relationship. I said to myself, 
every relationship I'd ever been in had ended up in failure. That's where I, why I am where I am. So evidently, I need to do something different on my end and to make this more successful. Now, that is a good thought process to have. The problem is, is when you're the only one making the left turns, sooner or later, you're going to get back to your starting spot. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's true. So it's, it's, it's important to be able to sit there and to see your role in conflict and to question yourself and say, what was my role in this conflict? And how can I make my role in this less likely to happen again? But again, you also have to look at, pull yourself back and go, hey, was I the only one paddling to the left there? Because I ended up going in circles and homegirl just went straight to the finish line. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, I think it's sad that a lot of times we have to be out of that situation or exiting that situation before we start to see those things and start to, to think that way. And I know for my current relationships that I've had, I try to take a very objective look at everything. Um, and maybe I'm overanalyzing sometimes, but every now and then, like, I'll take, you know, I'll go, like, maybe three weeks and things could be going well. And then I'll just stop and I'll think about those. I'll think back on those few weeks and I'll try to see, did I, was there something that I may have missed or are they putting the same amount of effort as I am? Like, am I trying to change myself or am I always the one that's giving, you know? So, um, that's one thing that I've learned to do and I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of myself. I don't know. I mean, I'm still single and that's a choice right now, but sometimes I wonder like, is that the right way to do it? Or, you know, I know there's really no, I don't necessarily say no wrong or right way. I think there's definitely a wrong way to be in a relationship, but there's no, like, no, bulletproof right way to be in a relationship but for me so far um just like taking a step back and just trying to um remove myself emotionally just for a couple of hours and just really look at that relationship as objectively as I can to try to make sure that we are both putting in the same amount of effort and that it's not going in a possibly abusive direction okay go back a second you said a couple good things, but I also want to, first off, I want to say being single is okay. Nobody can make you as happy as you can. Okay. Once you understand that you make you, you know how to make you safe. Okay. And safe is not just the absence of harm. Safe is a feeling that you get. It's, do I feel safe? Do I feel loved? Do I feel valued? You're going to be able to do that better than anybody else can. Okay. Until you can find that, how you do that for you. And, and in my podcast, Victim's Voice, we talk about that. You know, how do you determine that? Because people always tell you, you have to love you first before you can have somebody else love you. But then that's where the conversation ends. Well, I talk to people. I'm like, hey, I had to find out what I believed to be the case after that relationship because I didn't know. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what made me feel safe. So I did all of these things to try to figure it out. But then when I figured out... It's simple. Find out what makes you feel safe. Then you can love you. Once you love you, then you can set up what it is that you want around you. And then you can turn around. You can say, 
I'm okay with being single. Okay. There's nothing wrong with being single. Um, Sammy Adams, the rapper. I don't know if you know who he is. Independent, independent artist. Okay. Single doesn't mean I'm lonely. Single doesn't mean I'm looking. The thing about it is, is when you're single, you have options. When you get into a relationship, you start changing what it is that you're allowed or not allowed to do. So when you determine what it is you like about being single and that you're comfortable with being single, then you can determine what it is you want to deal with. So when you get into that relationship, you can say, these are the things I want to put up with. These are the things I'm not willing to put up with. Once you get into that, then you can know that you're safe in a relationship and then you can move forward. And this all ties back to domestic violence because when you are paying your own bills, you got your own place, you have your own car, you have your own job, you don't need somebody to come in and pay a bill. And I always tell people, don't let somebody pay a bill. The moment you let somebody pay a bill is you're giving them an opportunity to put their foot in the doorway of the relationship and stop it if they want to. And should you should you feel like you need to shut that door for whatever reason? Now they have got a foothold into your door and they will prevent you from shutting that door. So you take care of you. Then when you go out on those dates, then if a guy starts showing that he's rude or he's mean to a waiter or showing telltale signs of somebody who could later be a victimizer, you can get out and you have lost nothing. You can start dating again for the legitimate reason why you want to date. And that is is this person, one, worthy of my time and my relationship status? And two, is this somebody that I want to have a future with and possibly even kids with someday? So the one thing that um, you just said about letting someone pay a bill, um, whether it was literally or figuratively, um, that's one thing I, I didn't notice until I started doing research, but there's a such thing as economical mm-hmm. um, domestic abuse. And mm-hmm. I just... I found that very interesting because, um, and not to not to give too much away, but I actually know someone now who is in that situation, and for the life of me, I couldn't understand why that person um, continues to be in that relationship. But once I saw that, I was like, oh, I understand. Like this person has to depend on this other person, or you know, if they don't, they're going to have a substandard quality of living while they try to get back on their feet and Mm -hmm. maybe that thought is too much for them to bear because the person that they're in a relationship with is not physically or psychologically abusive from what I have seen and I have been around them a fairly good amount to where I would I think I would maybe pick up on some of that but the economical abuse um is very evident and that just kind of it didn't blow my mind, but I was like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. Well, it's 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 not I don't know what you research, but what I would say is it's not necessarily financial abuse. It's what's called a leverage point. OK, and when all right, take, for example, say I'm a, I'm a victimizer. OK, say you and I are in a relationship and I want to control you. Well, there are many different ways that I can do that. First off, you get to know that person. What do they like? What do they not like? Okay. You learn those buttons you can press. The other components of that is 
There's um, financial security. Okay. Have I provided for this person to a point where should I leave, they are going to be unable to live the life that they were. And I'm going to tell you, that's kind of where I was in my relationship. I had feared that if I had left that relationship, I would never have been able to stand on my own like I had with her. And that is a component of emotional abuse. There are other ones like um, fear of retaliation, uh, fear of taking the kids out of the home. Um, these are all what are considered leverage points. What do I have over this person that allows me to victimize them with them staying with me? You know, what, what can I use to tighten the noose so that they can't leave, but yet I can continue to get what I want and make them do what I want them to do. Financial is huge. I I know. I, I honestly, from seeing this relationship, like I understand how mm -hmm. huge it is. And uh, I believe that this relationship is part of the reason why I am so driven in my professional life, because I just want to always be able to take care of myself and not need a man. I, I you know, um, everyone makes fun of the whole like single independent black woman that don't need no man, but like that's who I am striving to be. And that's who I embody because I have seen this in my life. And, and if I can cut it out, you know, cut out any type of leverage um, where someone can, you know, have something over me, then I'm all about it. So I sat down with, with two, with two moms one day and it was a, uh, a grandmother and a mom. I mean, but the grandmother was about my age and then her daughter, um, was like in her early twenties and then they both had daughters. And so it was like, they were, I mean, it was like one big case, but yet technically it was two different cases. And they had told me that they had gotten into the, to selling drugs because of relationships. I said, great. So we're not going to focus on the drugs. Okay. You just do those things that you need to do for your classes and whatnot. Stay with your sponsor, but we're going to focus on the relationship part. And I, I literally said to these two people, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, do you know why rappers rap about independent women? And they said, no, I said, because they're so rare. It's because they are so rare. It is okay not to need a man, but to want a man. But how do you not need somebody else? is by meeting your own needs first. And again, we, we you know, you, you were talking about that earlier. Pay your bills. Have your place. Don't let him stay over. Okay? Don't let him move in. Don't, no matter how great that relationship is, you ain't moving in. Keep your own place. Keep your own car. And then once you establish your ability to provide for yourself, then when you get into those relationships, again, this is where it's great. You can sit there and go, you know what? I don't want to mess with a dude that has got six baby mamas. I don't want to mess with a guy that doesn't have a job. I don't want to mess with somebody. I mean, and the list goes on. You can sit there and create any kind of criteria you want and they have to meet it. And when you have that ability to determine who's coming around you, you know, the greatest part about that point is, is then you can raise that bar even higher because when you've got all those things, then people see you of value. And then you can raise the value of the person that even spends time with you. Because where you, if you were just getting by financially and you were doing oh, just okay, you might understand why a guy would still live with his mom. 
Okay. But if you're paying your bills and then a guy comes up to you and says, Hey, you know what? Uh, can I borrow 10 bucks? You're going to be like, Nope, keep moving. But the next dude who comes up and he is good looking, he dresses well, he obviously takes care of his bills, he doesn't have any drama in his life. And now you can sit there and go, maybe that's a guy that I want to spend some time with. He's got his act together. Let's spend some time together. Then when you two hang out, the quality of that time is so much greater. You're not dealing with talking to a homeboy and his baby mama calling, cussing you out because you're spending time, you know, taking time away from him and his kid, whatever. You're talking to a professional. You're talking to somebody who's got their life together, who has goals, ambitions. And when we surround ourselves with people like that, when we surround ourselves with people who are moving forward, we too move forward. Um, And one good thing that you brought up is about finding... um. A, a partner who basically has their life together. And I know, especially in the black community, there's this mindset that if you meet a guy and he's good to you, even if he doesn't have everything else lined up, then you, you know, you should build on that relationship and, you know, you help each other build that empire. And, and it is it, rampant really. And I think that's why a lot of, especially black females, I, I don't know about any other races, but for this particular situation, um, I notice that's why you see a lot of females in this situation because, you know, they've grown up hearing this. They believe this is like their daily, daily, uh, mantra and they just, they go about their lives like this. And I recently saw a meme, um, a few weeks ago and it was like, why do I have to be a hundred percent put together, have my life together, but you can't be my equal and I have to help you build up yourself. Like, why is that burden placed on me? And I have, I've noticed that and I've actually, I've been in a few relationships where it was like that. And I quickly realized that this is what was happening, that I was accepting their faults or you know, I was accepting something less than where I was at and that I was doing all of this work to build this relationship and build this person up. And I was like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Like, what am I getting out of this? And I see some of my friends that are like that too. And I just want to, you know, reach out and be like, please let this person go. It's not worth it. Find someone who is your equal. Find someone who is doing you know, what you're doing, who is ambitious about their career, um, whether they're in school or they already have their career, like they have these goals set out and they are doing what it takes to reach those goals, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and that's, that's okay. That's to me, that kind of relationship where they're not where they want to be, but they are taking the necessary steps to get there. Like that's okay, but that burden shouldn't still be placed on you. And I see that a lot and it drives me so insane. Girl, you just spoke for three to four minutes on something I can round up into one sentence. And let me tell you, it's, it's, it's just this simple. When they come, when people come to you and they say stuff like that, as crazy as it is, respond like this. How's that working out for you? How's that working? I mean, here's the thing. You don't look at people that are failing at something 
and take their words of wisdom. You just don't do it. I mean, if a guy is 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 on a boat that's thinking, are you really going to talk to him about sailing on ships that are seaworthy? No, no. You know, it, it, you. Do, I mean, we don't sit there and, and talk to people who are currently failing at something and then go, oh, well, you must be speaking the words of wisdom. No, we don't. No, if if you want success, you listen to the people who have shown that they know what success looks like, how to get success. So if somebody comes to you and says, well, you need to suck it up and you need to be the woman that, you know, builds this empire with this guy because he he's nice to you. Well, great. We will both be poor. We will both be out of a bridge, but yet he will be nice to me. Um, I can guarantee you the guy that has a four-bedroom house, that has his car, that has his stuff going on like I do, and we are equals. And when we go into conflict, we're not leveraging our position within the relationship on one another. You don't hear people, if, if you're on equal grounds financially, you don't hear somebody in the relationship saying something like, well, if you only had a better job or if you brought in more money, well, if you make the same amount of money, it doesn't matter. If you both treat each other with respect, that is not a topic of, of, of a fight. When you can fight about the things that the fight is legitimately about, there's a higher likelihood you'll get to a resolution that's meaningful and hopefully not cause that problem to be a problem again. But when you're fighting about the same things over and over and yet you haven't fixed the underlying problem, it's going to continue to be a problem over and over. I had a I had a one mom tell me that she and her husband were um, this was a domestic violence case. And then there was also um, drug issue concerns or whatnot. And the dad, he seemed like he had, you know, his things going on and, um, you know, everything in headed in the right direction. And this mom, she she said, she goes, you know what? I just have the problem where I just can't get over things. I turned to her and I said, let me ask you a question. I said, if you, if you drove out on this road outside of your home today, and then tomorrow I come to you and I say, hey, you drove on my road yesterday. Give me $10. And you paid it. Then in two days, I come back to you and I say, hey, two days ago, you drove on my road. Pay me $10. You pay it. Then the next day I come back and I do the same thing and I can keep doing this. I said, is that fair? You can't go back. You can't change the fact that you drove on my road, but yet I keep making you pay for it. And she said, yeah, that's not fair. I said, then why are you doing it to him in the relationship? When you make somebody pay for something over and over, then you can't get to the real problem. Whatever it is that you guys are really fighting about, that can't be resolved because you're so worried about all the things that don't matter. The things that you, you're not even working on, to be honest. You're just rehashing old stuff. And that is one of the ways that a victimizer will get a victim to be in that cycle. It's, it's, like, it's considered like a circle. If, in this example only, we will say he. If he gets her to start focusing on things that don't matter when he says hurtful and, and hateful things to her, she, her mind is still racing from all the baloney that he has her running around in circles on that. She doesn't see the problem that he is now presenting to her. 
if I tell you to look over to right field and then I throw a ball from the left field and hit you in the head, you can't defend yourself because you're not looking that way. That That is exactly the way magicians fool you in sleight of hand and magic. Get them to look somewhere else and then I'm going to do what I'm going to do and you'll never see it. Well, guess what? That's what happens in relationships. That's how an abuser will sit there and get somebody to focus on things that don't matter. So then as they're attacking them now, instead of me coming to you saying you're a mean person and you never listen to me. Well, now that you're spinning around mentally about that, then I can say, well, you're a bitch. You're a bitch because of that. Well, you don't see the fact that I slid that left hand in after I punch you with my right hand. You know, you were worried about my right hand. Well, I just slapped that left one in. So now instead of worrying about one thing, now the next time we fight, you, you're worrying about two things. You're worrying about the fact that you never resolve issues. And then I called you a bitch. Now the third fight, I'm going to add something else in there. And before you know it, you have so many things going on in your mind. You're not worthy. You're lucky. He loves you. You're lucky that he puts up with all your quote unquote crazy. Well, then when he leaves the house and you're sitting there in those mixed emotions and those feelings, that is why you don't leave the house. That is why you don't call your sister because you're sitting there thinking, well, we just had an argument. No, it was a lot bigger than that. You are focused on all of the trauma that he has caused. He's not thinking about it. He's out with his boys. He's laughing it up. You know, he's having a good time. And then when he comes home, that's when the conflict starts again, because guess what? You've stewed in it. He hadn't. So for him, it's a whole new conflict. So if he feels that he needs to get conflict out of you to make himself feel better, guess what? It's going to happen again. And for you, it's a never ending cycle. Because it's just always the way it is. Yeah, that you you make so many good points. I don't have anything else to say, but like, man, that was a really good point. I feel like you are definitely um, giving the audience a lot of stuff to really, really think about and just really stew on. Um, well, I, and I know I talk forever, so you're gonna have to break this up probably and, and make it a two-parter. You know, I, I was just thinking about that too. I was like, this could definitely go for. Um, yeah, a two-parter. So, well, and there's only there's only two more things that I really wanted to point out, and one of those things, and you brought up some really good points about um, one of one of uh, the listeners in my podcast. They they brought up the the point about um, people staying in relationships even when it's abusive, and we talked about that earlier. But then the other thing you talked about is the silence. Um, and 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 I I had a great quote. Um, silence doesn't mean lack of harm. Just because you he don't hear about it doesn't mean it's not going on. Um, we, we talked about the, the reporting disparity between men and women. Um, but the, but the thing about it is, is, is once you take gender out of it, it really, uh, you know, those are numbers that somebody felt had to be there for whatever reason, you know, um, to, I guess to quantify it. But the bigger thing is, is when we start allowing people to build upon their social support and encouraging them to use their social, social support systems, whether that be their family or their friends, 
my belief is that you or anybody should not get into a relationship that minimizes your necessity for a support system. He can sit there and tell you all day long that he believes that you should have a support system, but if he doesn't do it or allow you to do it, then he doesn't believe that. And anybody that wants to see you succeed as a person is going to want you to have as many outlets for support as possible. So if he wants to minimize who you can reach out to and doesn't trust you, run, run for the hills. Because when you are trying to achieve success, part of that process is ensuring that you reach out to whoever has been or will be successful in the area that you want to be successful. So if you see that your family has good interactions, um, good supportive relationships, if you see your mom and your dad, they communicate well and they, they don't have a lot of conflict. If your partner is saying you can't spend time with them, sorry, sorry about your bad luck. Tell me how being single is for you. Because you want to be around people like that. Because if that guy is smart, he'll say, you know what? Not only can she benefit from watching that, but maybe I can pick up some notes. Maybe I can learn how to communicate better or in a more effective way. I I could honestly like listen to you all day. So I'll probably be a huge fan of your podcast. Just like, oh man, he, he's so right. <laughs> girl, girl, let me tell you, my, my podcast is about an hour every episode. And guess what? It is just me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I can't imagine anybody sitting there going, you know, I'm going to listen to the victim's voice because I just like hearing Lenny talk about whatever. His ADHD, I'm, I'm a super big fan of you know, you know the. Well, I think of- you should imagine it because that's how I feel. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably gonna listen to it weekly or however often you put it out, and just like because it's so to me, it's so important to have like that voice that just kind of reaffirms what you believe. So I have a lot of self help books, and I have a lot of relationship books, and even though I'm not in a relationship and I'm not looking to be in one, um, every now and then I'll just like read a few pages just to kind of, you know, really keep myself on track. And that's how I see your podcast be it. If it, if it's like full of content, like we are talking about right now. Well, let me, let me tell you, one of the things that I talk about uh, is about finding out, first off, um, you, you have not been given um, a manual of how to run your life. Okay. When you were born, your parents basically got a baby and were told to go raise this child. When your parents bought a microwave, guess what? They got a manual. When they bought a remote, they got a manual. When they bought their smoke detector, they got a manual. You see a pattern here? They did not get a manual for you. So they don't know how to program you. They don't know how to raise you other than how they they do. You know, And they learn that from their personal experience. And it's important to know who you are you got a manual for all of these things, okay? So, you know, if you are going to do something new, you are going to go ahead and you're going to research it, okay? You, If you're going to start a new project, if you take a class, guess what? You have to read a book. You have to read a manual. What is wrong with learning how to be in a relationship? You know, if this relationship or if any relationship you want to be in is going to last you forever, shouldn't that be something that you you know, research 
And and I do remember this is something I did talk about uh, on my podcast, and that was if you wait till the moment something's a problem, you have less options to pursue than if you take the time to do it ahead of time. If you wait till you, um, if you if you're on your way to work and you break down, guess what? Now you have to call your boss and you have to tell him I'm not going to be there because I can't be. But if you notice on Friday that your car is running a little crazy, then you can bring it into the shop and leave it over the weekend and let them fix it at their leisure. And then on Monday, pick it up Sunday night, no problems. If you know you're going to try to get into a relationship, why wouldn't you do everything you can to learn different ways of looking at it? I always tell the people I work with is core thing. You need to know your love language. If you don't know what your uh, love language is, you need to get uh, Mr. Chapman's book and you need to find out because the way we give love and the way we receive love are vastly different most times. And the way that you give love and you receive love will be different from the person that you're in a relationship with. So I'm so glad you brought that up, actually. I, I love love languages. And once I discovered it, I have implemented it in every um, intimate relationship. Even my friendships, like I yes. can see remnants of that, too. So I try to be very cognizant of how my friends uh give love or show their appreciation for me and how I return that. Um, so I totally agree. If you haven't read the book or if you don't want to read the book, I think you should. But if you just want to go take the quiz online, I, mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Well, and, and, and that's the pinnacle of a lot of the things I talk about. And that is if you don't know how you receive love, how can you communicate that to the person that you're in a relationship with? You know, if you don't know, they can't know. And so if you know how you best receive love and you give love, then you can communicate that. And then when you're expressing your heartfelt love, you can do it in a more effective and, and efficient way. Here's a perfect example is when I was in my relationship, I would go out and if I thought of my partner while I was out, you know, I may only have like two minutes a day to run around through a store in between home visits and whatnot. And so if I saw something that reminded me of her, I would get it. Well, I'm a gift giver, you know, I'm a, a I'm a collector. I'm a gift giver. I grew up, you know, in the foster care system and uh, moved around every 30 days. I mean, a, a majority of my life, I lived out of a black trash bag. So everything I owned was crammed into a trash bag. So now as an adult, that has affected how I am. And so I'm a collector, you know, meaningful things I value. And so um, gift giving is important to me because that means you thought about me not only at that moment to buy the gift, but you thought it would mean something to me. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be grandiose. Um, it's just a, a, a way for me to know that you thought about me. When you got the gift, you thought about something that would mean something to me. And then you thought about me again when you gave it to me. But my partner, she wasn't that way. She was more time spent, more, um, you know, meaningful thoughts or words of affirmation. And so I didn't want to talk. You know, I spent all day talking to families and I'd come home and I'd like, I just don't want to fight. That's all I want. I don't, you know, I don't want to sit there and tell you that I think you're great because I already do think you're great. And I tell you that, but when I say it, you don't believe it. So to me, it's, it's useless. 
But when I would give love the way I best received it, it came across to her like I just didn't care. That I knew what she wanted. I knew what she needed. But I just chose to do what was easier for me. So in the end, it showed that I chose not to care about meeting her needs. Though I did something, it it was more harmful if I had done nothing. Yeah, and I I think it's so interesting how we read into those things where, you know, you are doing the best that you can or so you think, but it's not being uh, received that way. I, To me, the whole science of it is just, it's amazing. I love to see how people work. Um, like how their how their minds work, and to me that was that was a big thing, and I realized that that was one of the big contentions in some of my relationship was so my top love languages, for example, are um, acts of service mm-hmm. and time. Mm-hmm. So um, and I dated this guy who would always buy me things, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, thanks, but I don't want this. I, Mm-hmm. I want you to spend time with me, you know. Mm-hmm. I just felt like he was trying to buy my love, mm-hmm. but that was how he re- he mm-hmm. loved to receive love. And I remember I bought him some expensive part for his car because he's like really into mm-hmm. loud stuff. I don't know, but he was so ecstatic, and mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I spent five hundred dollars on this, but whatever, <laughs> you know. But, but whatever here, makes you happy. But here's, here's the thing, and you you pointed out perfectly. So if you knew that he was a gift giver, which in, in, in my podcast, I talked about that. I said, if you really want to be lazy about it, see how your partner gives love and that's how they best receive it. Um, but the thing about it is, is if you had knowingly known that he was a gift giver or receiver, um, but you chose to meet his needs on what you would feel would be best for you to get you know, spend time together. He doesn't care about you being out there working on his car. You know, I mean, that may be his secondary love language, but primarily you've taken the time to think about that. One, he could use this part Two, He would appreciate it. You know, that to him means more because you now value what he values. And in any relationship, when someone shares our passions, we have more of a connection. That's why one of the things we were talking about, you know, this two hours ago, this whole process started about domestic violence. The underlying thing is how do you become an abuser? Well, I don't want to say the word successful, but um, how do you, how do you become a, an effective abuser is by getting to know the person that you're around. What motivates them? What doesn't? What do they like? One, all the, all the material I've read over the years has said the same exact thing. Victimizers use what works. Now there's a podcast. I'm sure it's sword and scale. I want to say it's episode two, um, where they talk to the pedophile and the pedophile talks about how he victimized his own stepdaughter and the interviewer asked how he became successful in this. He said, I would just manipulate people. And she would ask him, how do you manipulate people? He said, find out what they need and then give it to them. 
That is exactly how somebody can take advantage of other people. And we can go into long discussions about how gangs, fraternities, the military, how they're all similar in recruiting processes and stuff like that. And it all comes back to this. But it's all the same mentality. Find a need. Meet the need. They believe they're safe. You can exploit it. Okay, so um, I think this is a good note to end on. I'm talking about manipulation and realizing, I guess, how to how to spot it and understand it. Um, so, Lenny, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Um, why don't you tell everyone how to listen to your podcast, This Victim's Voice, again? Yeah, Victim's victims Voice. We are now officially, and I'm doing a happy dance here. You can't see this, but I'm doing a happy dance. We are on iTunes. We are on Google Play now. If people want to reach out to me um, on Twitter, I'm at VicVoicePod with underscores in between the words. And Facebook is VicVoicePod without underscores. Uh, email is TheVictimsVoicePod at gmail.com. Honestly, the the best way to get a hold of me is through the email or uh, Facebook. And I always recommend everybody check out the Facebook group podcast we listen to. Great site. It's a great group. I -hmm. randomly found it and I I don't regret it at all. Um, Great resources, great people like Lenny here. I was gonna say, and you met me. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I feel like I'm winning at life right now. Um. Okay. Hey, so, girl, uh, wait, wait, wait until you get my bill for the two-hour counseling session. All right. And, I know. Then you can be like, man, I was up here at a nine, and now I feel like. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um. Okay, guys. So this is Lenny from Victims Voice. Again, his Twitter handle is at vic underscore underscore voice underscore pod or Facebook vic voice pod, and his email is victimsvoicepod at gmail dot com. Be sure to check out his podcast. If you enjoyed the content that you heard I here, care. I don't care if they enjoyed it. Man, <laughs> subscribe, rate, review, get on mine, get on hers, get on everybody's. Just every podcast that you you find, just subscribe to them and give us all five stars. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> what about like? Oh, I don't even listen to. No, get on there, get in there. You say, hey, you know what? This guy was amazing. He made my he made me want to change my life choices. <laughs> But seriously, if you found this information informative, useful, a life changer, a game changer, um, some things I feel like were a game changer. And I feel like I'm at this point in my life where where I'm well-versed in some things, but he definitely um, pointed out some things that I need to think about and look at for my future relationships. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode i really truly hope you enjoyed the episode um also be sure to uh 
subscribe to my podcast too it is not nearly as informative and uplifting <laughs> if, if you must i mean if you have got to rate review and subscribe to the podcast in which you have just listened to okay yeah free. yeah i mean i don't necessarily recommend it but you know if you just I, have I to do, i do just make sure you have your explicit filter on i'm just saying just saying yeah definitely not safe for work not safe for your parents not safe for your kids probably not safe for your dogs uh we get child put your headphones on <laughs> we we keep it real at roger that um we are on facebook and we're on Instagram. Everything is Roger That Podcast. You can send me an email at Roger That Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter. It is at not your underscore queen. We're everywhere iTunes, Stitcher, Google, SoundCloud, wherever. Just type in Roger That and you'll find us. And I don't think you'll regret it unless you are. Unless you're in church on Saturday morning, on yeah. morning. And you have it on loud. You might want to take off that filter that says explicit content only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, that will do it for us, you guys. Uh, make sure you check back next week for another episode. Gorgo out. Oh, and before I forget, today's episode was edited by Shade Burnett of Spartacus Audio Editors. Uh, his information will be in the show notes. Later!